Well, let me jump in real quick, um, because I think we could talk about a lot of things that uh, that stood out to us. And I know as I've been uh, going through this passage a lot this week, I felt a lot of feelings, I, especially for Paul and just thinking about the back and forth and, and the you know, the doors being closed and him going to Troas and then just the drama that just happened with Barnabas right before this journey. Like this week, guys, I was in my feelings like Drake. Okay. I was just kind of thinking like, man, what was he feeling? Did he, what was, what was he being called to? Cause we could all kind of grab onto that idea of the Lord said something to us, but it doesn't work out. Y'all felt, that's what I felt. Like, okay, you told me, Lord. Like, like I can see Paul is like, I, I heard a, a word from the Lord. I, I, I wanted to go back to the place where my friends were, the places that I started mission, you know, to preach about what God has done in my life since I've been gone, to hear about what God has been doing in their, in, the, in their own work. I mean, he heard something from the Lord. He sensed something from the Lord. He held on to that dream and he had a clear mission. And he built a team and he fundraised and he partnered with that local church. He did everything I would tell you to do if you came to me for coaching. What do I need to do next? He did all of that. He checked off all the lists on that little to-do list of what to do, how to start something new. He did all of that. And who would have ever thought that this solid plan, this solid plan that, that he put all the work in would have ended up with closed doors and him wandering around Asia. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I kind of looked at Timothy and I thought, man, how excited was Timothy? This was his first mission. This is his first time kind of going out there. And he was with Paul, the Paul of Tarsus. Y'all remember Paul, Saul, on the way to Damascus, blind, healed. The, the Paul that would kill Jews now is saying you need to be saved by a Jewish savior? That Paul. The legend, the myth. Paul of Tarsus. That's who he was going with. And I cannot imagine how excited he was. And I think, and I, I wonder what was Silas feeling? Was he kind of like feeling good about himself? Like he got chosen. He got picked over Mark. I mean, I wonder if he was just like, I'm number two now, Barnabas, he out the way. Now room to move up. Or was he grieving the loss of his friends? Mark and Barnabas, they're not here. And he's looking at Timothy, calling him Mark, because he can't remember his name. I mean, she's like, why are you here anyways? I'm good, I'm enough. I don't know, I don't know what they were feeling. I wonder if Paul was like confident in his choice to leave his friend behind. Was he? I mean, over Mark, I wonder if he thought about it, like, was that worth it? I mean, because him and Barnabas had gone through a lot. We talked about that a little bit yes, uh, last week. Um, they had a history. They go back. But we all know just because you have a history doesn't mean you have a future. Right? So, so was he just like, you know what? I don't know what the Lord is doing in their life, but I don't mess with God no more. I did that. I don't mess with God. I'm trying to keep my eyes. Right? So I wonder if he was just like, I'm, I'm focused. My eyes are focused. When, they, when he healed my eyes, my eyes are focused. And the Lord is calling me. And so I will, I will go. I need to go. 
I don't know what they were feeling. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what the Lord was doing in them. But whatever they were feeling, whatever uh, thing was coming into this new chapter in their life, they were going to have to work it out as they walked it out through Asia. Because they had to walk. Walk almost about 200 miles, which would be about three weeks of walking, depending on how fast you walk. It would have probably been four weeks if I was there. But they were walking and walking and walking to nowhere because every door was closed. Can you imagine? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like I'm trying, I'm trying and trying and nothing is happening? They are walking day after day after day from city after city after city. And the spirit of God will not allow them in. Every barrier, every door was closed. And they tried, it says in the passage, they tried. They tried every trick in their little life on mission handbook. All of it failed. I mean, they, they tried to do everything they knew. But nothing worked because the, the, the Holy Spirit was like, yep, nope, not today. Not today. The Spirit of God would not allow them to preach one single word. The Spirit of God would not allow them to do one single thing that they wanted to do or visit one single church that they wanted to attend. So they found their way to Troas. And I wonder if by this point Paul was in his feelings for real. I wonder if he was thinking, let me know if you've ever thought this. Did I hear you correctly, Lord? What happened? I mean, was, was Bart... Was Barnabas right? Should I brought Mark? Did I fail as a leader? And then I wonder how tired he must have been, how fatigued he must have been, how worn out he must have been. And just thinking like, I've been to these places before. I know what works. Why aren't they working this time? Or did the Lord work something out in his life as he was wandering, lost? Did God do something in his heart that when he actually saw Lydia, he wasn't like trying to figure things out. He just trusted God. I don't know what he did. But all I know is that finally he realized he needed to stop. And he needed to listen and allow the Lord to give him another word. Hear me, underground. Being on mission is a matter of constant dreaming, listening, and obedience to the living God. As we go to the places that God has called us, as we dedicate our lives to see the kingdom come in our families, in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in Tampa, in the world, do we dream, do we listen, do we sense God in all of it? Because I know that we listen and attempt to sense him in the beginning because we want to dream. We want to hold on to a word. We need to know that the Lord is calling us, Right? We dream in the beginning of everything. Our ears are open. Our hearts are soft in the beginning. And we, this family of missionaries, when we hear that word, we are swift to respond. We're swift to get that word and go and, and, and act on that dream. We start something. We get that checklist. We run with it. But what about the rest of the journey? I mean, do we still have that same posture of hearing new word? seeing a new dream or seeking a new vision from the Lord in the middle of the journey? 
because he's in the midst of all of it. Or do we just grab hold of that initial dream? Do we just set our gaze and focus on that idea, that person, that outreach, that strategy, and then journey to the place that we dreamt of? Not recognizing, not realizing that the Lord is still speaking. He's still moving. He still has dreams for us every step of the way. Jesus has something to say to us. Jesus has something to say to you every step of the way as you live your life on mission for him. Every step. As you journey, Jesus, the Lord God Almighty, the Alpha and the Omega, the author of this world, the creator of each and every one of your dreams is doing something in you. He's speaking something in you. He's showing you something. And I don't know, maybe he's calling you to grieve the loss of the Barnabases in your life as you journey it out. Maybe he's trying to work out your patriarchy as you walk and wander in Asia. Right? Maybe he's calling you to forsake that original plan and trust him and travel straight to, to uh, Troas. Maybe he's waiting for you to stop long enough to allow him to direct your plan again. We need to dream as we journey. We need to dream as we journey. We need to be listening for the Lord to tell us, to tell you what to do next, where to go, and when to stop. And I'm not saying anything new. Y'all all know this. And even though we know this to be true, even though we all know this to be true as followers of Jesus, there are moments in our lives that we don't do it. Am I the only one? Because I thought we family up in here now. We know each other's desserts and stuff. I mean, can we get real and honest for one hot second? Can you just confess that there has been times that you have taken a dream that the Lord has given you and turned around and journeyed without him? Why? 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 I could look back like Luke and write my story and be like, oh, yeah. But why do we do this? There are many reasons, but the one I felt like the Lord wanted to remind us of the why, why do we do this? It's because our competencies threaten our dependencies on the spirit of God. And I'm going to say that again for the person in the back that didn't hear me. Our competencies threaten our dependencies on the spirit of God. The honest truth is that we begin to believe the height that we no longer need Jesus as much as we did when we started something. Because we got some trainings now. We went to some classes. We read some books. We, we watched that documentary. We shadowed that person. We've led for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years. I mean, we've started multiple microchurches. You know, you've been parenting for a while. You know a little something. You've been married for a while. You know a little something. I mean, you've been at this job. You understand the work culture. You know a little something. You've been living on that block long enough. You know what to do. The more you know, the more you tend to let go of God. That's the, that's the tension that we live in. The more you know, the more you start to lean in on your own understanding and not his. 
The more you practice something, the more you do something, the more it becomes a habit. And those habits have rules and structured and defined customs that tend to not allow the breath of God to breathe into them. Has your life on mission become a habit instead of a living, breathing dream that the Lord has given to you? Has your life on mission become a habit? Do you do things out of habit? Do you do them just because you know how to do them? Habits are shortcuts. We all have habits. They're good. They make your life easier, right? You usually do them on autopilot because you already know what you need to do. So you're not wasting time or energy thinking about deciding what should I do or what shouldn't I do. And we all do them. We brush our teeth. You're not thinking, Lord, let me know. What do you want me to do today? Do you want me to brush my teeth or not? Like, you do them because you know they're good. You, you order water with lemon at a restaurant. You wake up early in the morning to study your word and to pray. You go to the gym after work. You read that book before you go to bed. You prep meals for the week so you don't go and waste money on eating out every day. These are simple habits that we do. But they were formed because there was something, some point in your life that you realized, I needed to build a strategy around this thing that I know was good for me. Right? So you, you want to keep all your teeth in your mouth. So you're like, I'm going to brush my teeth every day. Right? You want to save money when you go out to the restaurant. So instead of buying a $4 Coke, which I don't understand is $4, you just say, I'm going to get water. Right? Small strategy, but it's a habit. Because you're thinking, I want to save money. Or I don't want those extra calories because I want to save it for a cupcake for later. Whatever the, the habit is, whatever the strategy, it's because it's formed around something else, right? You want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, so you make time to be in his presence. And we do this when we think about mission too, right? We create certain days, certain rhythm for our people so they, they can have a sense of security. They know what's happening, and we want that. You, you go to your job and you ask some deepish questions because you can't go too deep because you don't know HR, but you want to build some trust with people. Right? That's important to you. You want to start building some trust with people. So you start thinking strategically, what kind of questions do I need to start bringing? What, how do I open my life to these people so we can start building some trust so that we can have a deeper dialogue about God? You're thinking about that. And so maybe every Monday you're thinking about, I need to ask people about their weekends, but not just about their weekends. What do they feel? How did, you, you, you have a strategy. You have a habit. Some of you go to that same bar, that same restaurant, that same grocery store, that same exercise class, that same mommy and me class, because you want to build relationships. You want to build community. Habits are good. Don't get me wrong. Strategies are good. Creating healthy habits are good for you personally, for your ministry, for your life. But when your strategies become rules... And those rules become habits that guide you instead of the God who loves you and breathes life into you, then you have a problem. We all have a problem if our strategies, our rules become habits that guide us instead of depending on every word that comes from the Father. When those things become the things we depend on instead of that, we have a problem. 
We depend on the things that we know instead of the, the living God. We have a problem. And I wonder if Paul had that problem in the beginning. I wonder if he was traveling down familiar roads. I wonder if he felt comfortable with the strategies that worked the last time he was in those cities. I wonder if he just defaulted to some old habits and some old rhythms that worked, that were good. I wonder if he forgot that being on mission is a matter of constant dreaming, constant listening and obedience to the living God. I'll invite up the worship team. Because as I, as I was thinking about Paul, and it's so easy, I'm a one on the Enneagram, so I could just point and judge all day, right? But I started thinking about myself. And I, I came up with a thousand stories. Okay, maybe not a thousand, but 20 stories that I was thinking I can end with tonight or this morning or whenever. Because there's so many. I don't want you to be here tonight. But the reality is, is that there are many times that I have uh, defaulted on my own knowledge, that I've run with the dream without God. There's been many times in my microchurch, in my career, in my relationship with Ryan, in the ways that I raise my kids, in the ways that I'm trying to live my life in community, that I just thought, I got it a little. I'm good. This one time, it was probably like a year or two ago, I felt like I heard the Lord say, like, you need to go back to school. You need to learn some more stuff, like some continued education. It wasn't totally clear, but I knew education was a part of it. And so I was like, okay. I was newly um, hired as the underground coaching director. And so I'm like, man, maybe I should get certified. Or maybe I should go back to USF and get my master's degree in social work. And so I was praying, coaching or counseling, coaching or counseling, certified growth coach or a master's degree. Like, what do you want me to do? And, and I remember just being frustrated because it's not you guys. You guys are good Christians, right? Like, I'm frustrated. I'm in my feelings because I'm just like, I don't hear nothing. And this is what I heard from the Lord. He's like, I'm doing a new thing. Can you perceive it? And I'm like, no. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm praying. That's why I'm asking you. I can't perceive it. But y'all don't do that. Y'all don't do that. Right? And so you know what I did? I just defaulted to what I knew, and that was USF social work program. I looked up the program, I emailed the old professor, I met with him, he told me when the deadline was, the deadline was in a week. And you have to get all these references, you have to write all these applications, you need to try to figure out how to apply into the grad program at USF, and then this other application for the social work program, one week. And then he's like, oh man, but the grants and the loan deadlines have already passed, but we can try to figure something out. We could try to figure something out. And then he gave me the schedule, and the schedule were all in the evenings, obviously, because I had a job during the day. And I'm just debating in myself, like, do, as my son is going into middle school, do I want to miss his evenings? Because middle school is hard, y'all. Do I want to be there? Do I want to be present? Do I want to process with him as he's coming home? And it just felt like every door was closed. And I, I heard a word right i heard a word uh, about education 
And so I was like, well, let me look up the, the certification thing, right? That was going to start in two weeks. But that was over $2,000 I needed to do to do that program. I'm like, how in the world? Where is Lydia when you need her? Right? I'm like, that's definitely a closed door. That's a closed door. But then I just sensed this idea, this thing, like, you need to stop. You need to stop, stop. Like, you really need to stop. Stop two times. Stop, stop. And I barely stopped long enough to just be like, okay, Lord, I want to listen to you again. I need a new dream. I need, I need you to let me know what I'm supposed to do. I was in my feelings. I was in Troas. I was in between two things, coming out of this other place, going into another place, and I needed a vision. So I went into that weekend, and it was one of my friend's uh, baby showers. Stacy, she's not here. You guys don't know her. Um, but she's white, and she let me know. It's going to be predominantly white, Keisha. I'm letting you know. Shout out, Stacy. Thank you for the heads up. Good looking out. So I got there, predominantly white. Everybody was white. Not predominantly. Everybody was white, from what I can tell. And I had on my yellow Beyonce dress, and my hair was really big. And I'm like, I'm here, but it was awkward. <laughs> right? Like, nobody was really talking to me. I didn't really know anyone. And I remember just feeling like I should not be here. I remember texting Ryan. I was like, I'm really trying to stay. <laughs> I'm going to really confess this to y'all? Okay. I'm really trying to stay. But it's not because I want to support Stacy. It's because they have a chocolate pie cake. It ain't Publix cake. This special cake, guys, from chocolate pie. And I'm like, I'm really trying, but I just felt the, the loneliness of being in a room of a lot of people but being by myself. And then Stacy's mom, she comes up to me, and we started doing some small talk. I think she can sense, like, okay, nobody's talking to this girl. And so we talk about our work, what you do, and how do you know Stacy? Obviously, I'm trying to figure out how you know my daughter. And whatever, we talked, and I'm sitting down eating my food by myself, and she comes back up to me and sits next to me, and she has a serious look on her face. And she's like, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's going to ask me a black question. <laughs> And I'm thinking this because this has happened in my life. She's looking at me and she's like, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she's going to ask me about Black Lives Matter. She's going to ask me about Black on Black Crime. She's going to ask me about that protest that just happened last week. Like, oh my gosh, I am not ready. I'm waiting for the chocolate pie cake. <laughs> Y'all, my anxiety was high. I'm not, full confession because we family here, right? Y'all not going to tell nobody. And she leaned over in a very soft voice that nobody else could really hear around her. And she said, how would you feel if I donated the money you needed to go to coaching school? I'm glad y'all clapping because I was shocked and I did not respond. Because I'm still thinking, she gonna ask me about Black Lives Matter. <laughs> did I just hear her correctly? I don't know. I don't know what... And she said it again, because I think she was just like, like, how would you feel if I, if I gave you what you needed to go to, to get your coaching certification? And all I could say was, I would feel good. <laughs> Question mark? I don't know why I said it. And she looked at me and she's like, my husband and I, we have this special account. 
And when we sense the Lord calling us, moving us to do something, we give out of it. And I don't know, I just met you. We had a brief little conversation, but I sense that the Lord wants you to go to coaching school and that I'm supposed to help you get through that. And no lie, she covertly gave me a check for $2,500 and walked away. And I've never had a dream like, like I, that's never, but it was clear, right? Coaching schools where I'm supposed to go. She was my Lydia. Stacy's mom's heart was opened by the Lord. And she gave and, and she persuaded me to take the gift and I let her persuade me. She was being obedient to Jesus because she had a vision. She heard the Lord. In the middle of the shower, in the middle of the cake, in the middle of, of, of a celebration of a baby, she had a vision from the Lord. She heard a word and she was obedient to the living God. And in that moment, she opened a gate to a new dream that the Lord had for me. Because he was always working. He was always doing something. He was always showing me. And I heard him. I heard him. I saw him. The new dream was not you assess. And to default to what I knew and what, what track that everybody thought I was supposed to go on, he had a new journey, a new dream for me. The reality is, is that Jesus is the one in charge of our journeys in life from the beginning to the end. He's the one that gives us dreams. He's the one that we need to be listening for. He's the one that opens and closes each and every door. He shows us the way outside of the city gates and leads us to a river. He opens hearts to receive him. He sends people of peace like Lydia and Stacy's mom to open up new worlds so that we can serve new people. He's the one that we need to obey. We cannot learn to live a life on mission for Jesus without him. We need him. We need him when, when dreams are birthed. We need him to guide us every step of the way on our journey. And we need him when it looks like it's the end. Because when it's all said and done and it feels like things are over, he has a new dream for you. So before you guys come for communion before we just continue as usual i just want to give you a time a moment i'm just going to invite you to bow your heads and 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 to just really think lord what are you doing what are you saying that as we come up from communion today we come with a sense of openness to whatever he's doing i want to invite you some of you to, to come and lay your strategies down, your habits down, your old ways of doing things, to lay them down, to surrender them. To remember that the Lord wants to walk with you. He wants to be with you every step of the way on this journey that he's called you to, no matter where you are. He wants to breathe new life into things. So hear me, don't let your competencies threaten your dependencies on the Holy Spirit. Surrender it all to him. Everything in your hands, let them go. Lay them down. Maybe for some of you, 
the invitation is that you need to recognize that the Holy Spirit is not allowing you to move forward on certain things. And those things seem right and good. And maybe you're in your feelings because you're tired of wandering around trying to find an open door. What I want to say to you is don't give up. Don't give up because he will show you where to go next. All you need to do is stop and pray. And I don't know if you need to go on a retreat, but you need to find Troas. A place of waiting where you will receive your next vision. So as you come to communion, I want to invite you to stop and pray and to wait on the Lord because he's faithful. The rest of you, I, I don't know where you are on your journey. I don't know if you're in the beginning, middle, or what feels like the end. But I'm inviting all of us again to ask the Lord for a new dream. To ask him to speak to us again to say something, to do something, to give us an image, to give us a verse, to give us something to cling on to. So take a moment. What is he saying? What do you need to surrender? What do you need to stop doing? What do you need to ask for? never leave you nor forsake you he is with you that he has always been with you and he will forever be with you he will journey with you he will birth new dreams so as you come like can we leave this place in a posture of openness with our eyes wide open with our ears wide open Lord what are you saying what are you doing night that he was betrayed the Lord took bread and after he had given thanks he broke it and says this is my body which has been given for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me Whenever you eat and drink, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Underground, when you are ready, the body and the blood of Jesus is given for you. <laughs> 